Hello, and thanks for listening to this week's message from the Napoleon Church of the Nazarene, where we exist to help people take their next step in a transforming relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope that as you listen, you are both encouraged and challenged as you take that next step in your walk with Christ. So we are so excited for the Dewey's to come, and it comes, uh, Ben and I, we, we, we looked at each other this morning, he comes up to me, he's like, hey man, we made it, we made it, we got through the transition next week, yeah, thank you, so yeah, <laughs> and, and that, that's on behalf of all of us, we, we've made it, we got through this transition next week, the, the Dooleys will be joining us, and and Bailey will be on staff as, uh, as an intern. So Ben and I, we're done for the summer. We're not working at all. We're, we're good. Uh, they'll be preaching from here on out. And so the three hours that we work typically a week, now it's down maybe one a week. So we're good. It's, it, no, it's, we are so excited. God continues to move in this church. But, you know, with this said, we've all experienced so much change. Change, as a human, is perpetually in front of us. Whether we're walking through it, we just walked through it, or we're thinking, what's going to change next? We never escape change. When I went to seminary, my, I was down there for a few months, and I didn't know anybody at seminary. I had some family friends that I was living with um, a little bit north, but then came the time where I, I needed to move and find a roommate for myself, find um, somebody that I could spend that, those four years with uh, during seminary. And in a couple months of uh, that first semester, I found, I found an individual. Him and I, we hit it off. And I'm like, hey, would you want to live together? Be my roommate. Yeah, absolutely. Great. And I was really excited. And as we were moving in, we were, we were talking about um, relationships and marriage and everything that we had in our minds. And he tells me, he's like, you know what, man? I really don't think marriage is for me, at least not right now. I don't see myself getting married for quite some time. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, right. I got this guy as a roommate for the next four years. I don't have to worry about him leaving me. I don't have to worry about anything. Well, then about a month later, he then tells me, hey, man, I got feelings for this girl. What? You just told me marriage isn't for you, and now you're going to go and... And then a month later, he decides he wants to go on a date with this girl. And, and then a little bit after that, he, he goes on another date. And next thing I know, within approximately two or three months, he was on crutches at the time. And we lived on the third floor. And he, I can hear him. He's like, up the stairs with, with his crutches. And he just kind of like opens the door. The door comes swinging open. And he just proclaims, I'm in love, I'm in love. And I don't care who knows it. And at that moment, I began looking for another roommate. Um, I had these high expectations, this big change in my life. Vulnerable season for me. I'm down in Dallas, don't know anybody. Here I got this guy. He's going to live with me for the next four years. Not. And before I knew it, in the side of two years, he's getting married. And I'm thinking to myself, What? I had these high expectations in the midst of this big change in my life. But what I'm thankful for is that 
because of this new change, because of him getting married, it then forced me to find other relationships. And it then continued to just make my seminary time just flourish in ways I never would have expected. I never would have planned for. Having one roommate, having him for the next three, that was my safe zone. That was my comfort zone. But him getting married, going off and finding his other roommate, his wife, it forced me to branch out, to sit, to wait, to see what God would have in store for the next two years of my seminary time. As Christians, we, as humans, let's be honest, as humans, we go through change constantly. Some of it we desire. We desire to find that change. Maybe it's a painful job situation. We're constantly, we're looking, oh, Lord, just give me something different. Give me Give me relief from what I'm going through. Maybe it's a desire for uh, a relationship or, or marriage. It's a desire to grow one's family. And we just, we feel that we need to, to take control of all of the different variables to make sure that it works out the way we want to. I mean, for me, going into seminary, I found my roommate. That was a variable that I could control in the midst of all of this different change. We desire some change. And we try to take control of those variables. Sometimes it's change that we don't desire. Maybe for some of your parents, you parents out there, it's your, your student is leaving the house. You didn't wish that. You wished that, it would, that they would just continue to stay, that this time wouldn't have come. Maybe it's change that comes with loss, pain, loss of a loved one. This wasn't change that you desired. But this is change that you're currently sitting in. And in the midst of this change, we so often, as humans, let alone Christians, we desire to wrestle with these unknown variables, to wrestle, to take control of the variables in our lives so that maybe, somehow, in some way, we could bring some peace to our lives because with change comes, who knows? And it's super vulnerable and scary, and it can be chaotic, it can be tumultuous, we have no idea, because that's what change is. We think we know what's coming, and then a curveball comes out of nowhere and changes the entire game. And so as Christians, who are called to this different standard of life, that Jesus calls us to this different way of living, we have to ask ourselves, what is our responsibility? As we face change, as we think about change, as we think about the change we just came out of, what is our responsibility when our every inclination is to have control, to take control over the change in our lives? To be human is to be in change, to approach change, or to be wondering what in the world is going to change next. So what is our responsibility? We are closing out this Found Family series. And we've talked about what it is to be a united family. We've talked about what it is to be a diverse family, a discipling family, a sent family. And so today we are going to learn what it is to be a waiting family. All throughout scripture we see, we see examples given to us about people who are undergoing change. Can you believe it? The Bible actually has applicable stuff for us as humans to read into and to learn from. And the Bible is full of bad examples of change happening and someone taking uh, control of the variables on their own, and then there are good 
examples of people who decided to wait. And so today we're going to be in one of those good examples. If you join me in Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 1 is where we begin. This is truly the beginning of the found family, the family of God, the church family. This is what we're talking about. Not family as in mother, father, daughter, son, siblings, whatever. We are talking about the family of God and what it means for us to be a waiting family. Acts chapter 1, and we're going to start in verse 3. And this is what Luke writes. After his suffering, his being Jesus, after Jesus' suffering... He presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive, as he, as he really should have. I mean, can you imagine? You see someone crucified, he dies, he's buried, and next thing you know, this guy comes back. It doesn't matter how close he looks like Jesus, you, get, you, you need some proof that it's actually him. So Jesus is walking around, he's appearing to his disciples. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. You know, he just spent three years in ministry talking, teaching, demonstrating the kingdom of God. Now in this super hyper-concentrated time, 40 days, he is appearing to his disciples and he continues to speak about the kingdom of God. Can you imagine with me for a second what it would have been like to be one of his apostles, those closest with Jesus? He's been talking and showing off the kingdom of God and giving them abilities to heal and to cast out demons. And now he's done the most amazing thing. He's risen from the dead. And all of a sudden, can you imagine what the disciples are thinking? Jesus is back. Everything we've been waiting for, it's going to happen. I mean, what more could possibly be done? He was doing all these amazing things before he died. Now he's risen. Everything we've been waiting for is right here. And can you imagine how excited they must have been? Jesus is risen from the grave. Things are about to happen. Yes and amen. Come on, Jesus, we're going. Whew. What an exciting time it must have been to be a disciple. And yet, here's where it gets a little bit interesting. He says something a little weird, much like when my roommate said, hey, I'm not going to get married for a long time. Then he says, no, I love this girl. What? And so in the same way, the disciples are getting amped up. They're getting excited, like high expectations, man. Absolutely. You just rose from the dead. Things are about to happen. And then Jesus says a super strange thing. Continue with me. Verse 4. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem. But wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. What? What do you mean? Wait? Wait for what? What do you mean, wait, Jesus, you've risen from the dead. What are we waiting for? Why, all of a sudden, he's not talking about the amazing things that are going to happen. He's not talking about how now things are going to change forever. They're going to be millionaires. They're going to be famous. He's not talking about anything good that's about to happen to the apostles. Everything that they had been expecting and waiting for, now he's saying, wait. 
Oh, talk about, talk about a roller coaster of change. Jesus dies, then he comes back. Jesus talks about the kingdom, and then he says, whoop, wait. What in the world can all of this mean? And let's not forget where Jesus has the disciples waiting. He has them wait in Jerusalem. Friends, these disciples, many of them at least, they're not from Jerusalem. Jesus had actually done the majority of his ministry several days journey north in a region called Galilee. Very rural, not the hot spot. But for these men, that would have been the comfort zone, the comfortable spot. Jerusalem. Jerusalem is the place where Jesus was killed, where he died. Jerusalem is the place where chaos ensued. The darkest day the world had ever experienced was in Jerusalem, where they were persecuted, where they were constantly being chased after and, and, and ridiculed against. That's where Jesus wants them to wait. He says, don't go fleeing back to your comfort zone. Don't go back home where you feel safe. Wait here in Jerusalem. It's a place of pain, confusion, chaos, and loss. But wait. It's not going to be the most comfortable. Yet wait. It's going to be weird. But wait. It's going to be confusing. There's going to be a lot of unknown. But wait. Don't run from the source of pain. Wait. But the waiting isn't for nothing. He says, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. The promise of the Father. The waiting is not in vain. You know, friends, when approaching change, it can become very easy for us to see it as a source of pain in our lives. The unknown, the confusing, the chaos. When going through change that is a source of pain, we just run right through it. Put our heads down, ignore everything else around us, and we're just going to get right through it. We want to get to the end result. The transition process of the change brings unknown, it brings questions, it brings confusion, and nobody likes sitting through it. But here's Jesus telling his disciples, yeah, this is going to be confusing, this is going to be painful, and this is going to be chaotic and tumultuous, but wait. Sit in the source of pain. Sometimes going through change requires us to stay out of the comfortable. It requires us to stay outside of the known or what we can have control of. It sometimes requires us to sit out of, out of the safe. Sometimes it means we sit in our vulnerabilities. Today, for you and I, some of us who have placed our faith in Jesus, we have been given the gift of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So what does this mean for us? You know, at this point in time, they hadn't received the power of the Holy Spirit. They were told in a few days, which would have been Pentecost, you will receive the Holy Spirit. But for you and for me, what does this mean? If we've placed our faith in Jesus, Holy Spirit's in our lives, what does it mean to wait for the Holy Spirit? Well, firstly, let us recognize that just because we have him doesn't mean that we're ultra familiar with him. Just because we have him in our lives, we've placed our faith. Just like in any relationship, the moment that we enter into a relationship, yes, we are in that relationship, but that does not mean that we know everything about that person. That's the whole point of entering into the relationship, to get to know them, 
to grow the relationship, to get to know what trips them up, what triggers them. Believe me, I've been married two and a half months. I am learning what it is to navigate relationship. So the same thing for us then, as we who are Christians, who have placed our faith and who have the Holy Spirit in us, our first goal as we wait for the Holy Spirit is to get to know him. The disciples, they had gotten to know Jesus very intimately over the course of three or so years. And so when Jesus says, wait for my spirit, wait for the spirit of God to come, they would have easily recognized, they would have easily known, they would have easily been able to tell, wait a minute, this is exactly what Jesus would have done. And they were waiting. Jesus says, wait for the Holy Spirit. Waiting is not passive, it is Active. It's not just sitting on our bums waiting for something to happen. Waiting is for us to stand still. But in the midst of standing still, we then are pursuing knowledge in a relationship with the Holy Spirit, with God himself. And just like any other relationship, the more we get to know the person that we're pursuing, the more we get to know God who we are pursuing, then our heart's desires also change. All of a sudden, I don't mind the fact that there is a dog on the bed because my wife likes the dog being on the bed. That's trivial in nature, but the point still stands. As we pursue God, the desires of God become our desires. As we get to know God, as we continue to run after God, as we wait without rushing through the change, without rushing through the pain, as we wait and are still before him, we then get to know him all the more. We actively wait for the Holy Spirit. We actively we get to know him as we stand still. It is so easy in the midst of pain, in the midst of change, in the midst of unknown to say, I'm done, I'm out of here. And question everything. Yet when we wait and we are still and we get to know our God, then when he moves, we know when to move. When he moves, when God moves before us, we then learn what it is to move with him, not apart from him. But this is just the beginning because who actually likes being told, well, God called me to do this. The Holy Spirit told me to do this. I mean, it's like the scapegoat answer, right? We hear this, and if we're not familiar with this answer, I mean, we can't say anything. We can't actually argue against that because if we're arguing against God's calling then who like woe unto me and so not do we actually understand what it is to be called by the Holy Spirit to be called by it's very ambiguous language sitting at 30,000 feet so let's dive let's take this a little bit lower let's get a bit more specific let's continue then into verse 6 as we learn more about what our responsibility is as the church Verse 6. Then they gathered around him and asked him, this being the disciples asking Jesus, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? You can see right now they have already lost focus. You can see that they were super excited for a physical kingdom that was going to come back to Israel. It's going to remove all oppression from the Roman Empire. They were pumped for what Jesus was about to do. And here's his response. He said to them, 
It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and on Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Oh, you want to talk about more deflating of the excitement. They come out of here. Jesus is risen. We're ready to go. What more could we be waiting for? And all of a sudden, nope, nope, nope. Hold it. Not only is the kingdom not coming, but you're telling us that we have to then, what? Be, 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 be what? We, Jesus, you've already done everything. What? No. Jesus comes in and he says, wait, wait. You see, these disciples, they're expecting this physical kingdom to be restored back to their homeland. Just as it had been centuries before, there's this almost sense of entitlement that's coming along with their questioning. Will you now, at this time, will you finally restore the kingdom? We've been waiting so long, Jesus. Do it now. But praise God, there was so much more yet to be had for the world than simply a kingdom of Israel. Jesus responds telling them that God is the one who's having the authority. It's not for them to know. It's not for them to have the authority. It is the Father's authority, and it is the Father's knowledge. The disciples, they're attempting to influence. Okay, you've done enough now. It's time. It's time now. He reminds them, though, that their source of fulfillment doesn't come from what they desire or what they expect being met. Their fulfillment comes and only comes when they are filled and moving by the Holy Spirit. He's saying, look, you don't have to go through this one. As you wait, as you wonder, as you uh, have all of these desires, you don't have to go through this alone. As you wait for the Holy Spirit, he will then move in you. And you have certain desires, you have certain goals, you have certain expectations for what this world should look like for you. Erase them, because I got something so much greater in store. Now, let it be known, these disciples, many of them would go off to be persecuted, crucified, martyred, and yet the truth still stands. What Jesus had in mind for his apostles was so much greater than anything they could ever imagine. Friends, today, young adults, parents, grandparents, children, everyone, we all think, we all hope for, we all expect that we're going to have the best job the best circumstances. We're going to have the, the peaceful and restful life that we so desire. As we even think about this summer, we're thinking about how great this summer is going to be. We're thinking about the vacations. We're going to think about how restful things are going to be. Friends, this is exactly what the disciples were asking for. They were asking for comfort. They had suffered, they had worked, and they had toiled long enough. Could they just have what they wanted now? And Jesus is saying, no. I have something so much more. You see, Jesus is realigning their expectations for the time of waiting. You're not going to receive what you want. You're not going to get what you expected. In fact, you are going to start here in Jerusalem, the source of your pain. You're going to start right here as you sit in this pain, the chaos, and the confusion. And from here, you will go out, and then you're going to go into the rest of Judea. So think about this. Let's say maybe uh, Jerusalem is your local family, your nuclear family. Maybe for you it's Napoleon. 
You're starting local. And then you're spreading it. Judea then becomes your extended family, your workplace, the rest of Henry County. Samaria, well, Samaria wasn't looked highly upon. It was not the best place to be. It's like Henry County Defiance County. No one wants to be over there. So all of a sudden, I'm, I'm glad you laughed at that. I was really wondering how that was going to be received. Um, but all of a sudden, it goes from local to further out to further out and to the ends of world. Yeah, I see Fredericks over there. there. Thank you for smiling at me, Tyler. I appreciate that. I have... And all of a sudden he says, look, 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 look. What you expect, what you want, what you desire, you're limiting it to yourself. What I have in store for you is going to change the world around you. It's going to impact the world so much so. You're going to tell of my goodness. You're going to tell of my greatness. And because of you and your witness, my kingdom will spread across the world in ways you cannot begin to imagine. What I have in store for you is so much greater. You will be the change the world will receive. After you sit here in the pain and the loss and the uncomfortable and the vulnerability of this change and this lack of peace, I will move in you through my spirit. Friends, as we actively wait, we allow Christ to realign our expectations. We all have dreams, we all have goals, we all have expectations for what our lives should look like. We have expectations for what this church should look like. And Jesus says, wait for my spirit. In this church, your family, your world will change in ways that you cannot begin to imagine. It may not be the peaceful, restful, calm life that we wanted. But he says, you will be with me. In the midst of the chaos, the pain, sitting in the confusion, he says, am I enough for you? Knowing that you're going to walk through tumultuous times. It's going to be an up and down roller coaster, highs and lows, the greatest of highs and the lowest of lows. Am I enough? Am I worth it? Will you wait here in the pain and the confusion for me to move in your life to then speak through you to change the world around you? We are to allow Christ to realign our expectations. And so quickly, we then go back to verse 9, because this isn't the end. we got to put all the puzzle pieces together to see exactly what is going on. Verse 9, he continues, Luke continues, After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. You know, for us as readers today, we can often over-idealize this. I know I have. I'm thinking about this as I'm reading it. I'm like, wow, how cool of an experience would this have been? All of a sudden, Jesus has risen from the dead. I mean, you are experiencing the best 40 days of your life. And now, all of a sudden, he's been being taken up by a cloud into heaven. I mean, that's like a once in a... Less than once in a lifetime opportunity. I get to see someone taken up on a cloud and then disappear? Sign me up. I, I want to see that. And yet, if we're the disciples, 
think about what they're thinking. The source of their identity, the source of their comfort, the source of their reason for existing for the last three years is gone. I mean, can you, can you imagine? The last three years they've dedicated every ounce of their existence to this one man. And now he's gone. Can you imagine standing there with them as one of them? They look around. Now what? Everything we just worked for. He's gone. And now we're stuck in the pain, in the city that wants to kill us, in the city that thinks that we are just spreading lies. We're, we're done. Great, yeah, we just saw this crazy thing. Jesus taken up into a cloud, but he's gone. Now what? How often, friends, as we go through change, good or bad, does that same feeling of emptiness come up? Now what? Like that parent who, who brings home a child for the first day. They've left the hospital. They've left the hospital for the first time. And now all of a sudden, they're like, we don't have the nurse anymore. We don't have anybody to help us with this. Now what? You know, for many of us, we, we, we look back on, on times of comfort. We look back and, you know, for, for, you, for you graduates, you're going to hit a time in your life and you're like, man, I do not like being an adult. I want to go back to being a kid again. That was comfortable. That was easy. That was fun. For some of you parents out there, you're thinking to yourself, man, remember our lives when we didn't have kids? We had all the free time in the world. And you're looking back at that source of comfort. You're like, oh, I can't handle this. And some of you parents are thinking back, hey, remember when we had no free time in the world? When we got to take our kids to this and this and this. You see, as humans, we are constantly looking back at our source of comfort, our identity. We are constantly looking back to see yeah, those were the good old days. And what's crazy is here we have these, these individuals looking up to the sky, looking back at their source of comfort, wondering, now what? And all of a sudden we, we are told that these men in white say, he's coming back. He's coming back. But now, wait. As humans, we are perpetually undergoing change. Either it's right before us, we've just walked through it, or we're going through it right now. What is our responsibility? First, we actively wait. We actively wait for the Holy Spirit. But in the midst of waiting, we get to know him. That's the active part about it. We dive deep. We surround ourselves with other Christians. We get to experience more and more and more of the Holy Spirit around us so we know that when he is moving in our lives. But we don't just stop there. We allow him, Christ, to realign our expectations. Because let's be honest, we all have desires and goals and we think we know what's best for our lives. And Jesus says, stop 
thinking about you and what you think is best. Acknowledge the fact that I'm doing something and I want to use you to do that very thing. We need to allow. But here's what's even more special. As we get so often stuck looking into our past comfort because we don't like looking forward into the future unknown, here's what they do. Verse 12. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James, and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. We actively wait. We allow Christ to realign our expectations, and we do it all together. We can't do this on our own. Graduates, I'm telling you right now, when you go off into this next phase of life, you cannot do it on your own. Parents, I'm not where you are, but I know this, you can't do it on your own. Maybe you're beyond the stage of parenting. Maybe you're uh, retired and you've got grandkids and, and your life is it's just wonderful and marvelous. We need you. I need you. We can't do this on our own. We may not agree on everything. But if there's one thing we can agree on, they came together in one accord to wait for the Holy Spirit. We need each other to speak into our lives. Friends, our church, our mission statement is we exist to help those take their next steps in a life-transforming relationship with Jesus Christ. We do this through worshiping, connecting, and serving. Sunday school, Bible studies, life groups. How are you waiting actively and allowing your expectations to be realigned? We may not have all the best solutions. We may not do things the best. You may not agree with a single thing I just said. But if there's one thing that you should be agreeing on is that we need to wait actively upon the Lord and have our expectations aligned with his. And then and only then will we begin to experience what Jesus truly has in store. Graduates, wherever you go, whatever you do, make sure you find community. Make sure you never stop worshiping. Make sure you're constantly looking to see what is God going to do through me. Parents, how will you push your student and encourage them and challenge them? They still need you. And for the rest of us, how are you waiting before the Lord? This week, what are you going to do? How are you waiting? How are you connecting? How are you serving? How are you worshiping? How are you taking your next steps and your faith walk with Jesus? Let's pray. Father, we love you and we praise you. We thank you, I thank you, for the found family that you have given me. Lord, I pray for the strength and the perseverance that even when we don't get along as a found family, that one, you would keep us united. That you would keep me united. That you'd help me recognize all of our diverse gifts that you've given us, our different roles. 
God, would you continually help us be a discipling family, helping each other grow to become more like your son. But God, when things change, good or bad, would you help me, would you help us to remain still? Still in your presence, getting to know you more. God, remind us of your presence day in and day out. Go before us and may all things be held together, not because of our control, but because of who you are. We love you, we praise you. It's through the power of your Holy Spirit, all in the name of your most wonderful son, Jesus, and all God's children say, amen. Happy Memorial Day. Graduates, congratulations. We'll see you next Sunday. Thanks for listening to this week's message from the Napoleon Church of the Nazarene. We invite you to join us each Sunday morning at 9 or 10.30 a.m. for weekly worship and community with other believers. For more information about upcoming events or ways you can connect, find us on Facebook or visit us at napnaz.org. Have a great week.